This call is being recorded. Hello and welcome to my show, Searching for Integrity. My name really is John Smith, and I'm searching for people with integrity. Why? Because our country suffers from IDD, Integrity Deficit Disorder. We have as our guest today, Linda J. Roth, who is the author of Digital Transformation, an executive guide to survive and thrive in the new economy. Are you there, Linda? Yes, I am, John. Very good, very good. That's a, it's a, uh, uh, you, you, you've got a headline here. You got a, a, the title is right to the point, and it's a good one. And I'm going to say there's going to be a whole lot of people uh, buying this book, especially the smart people who want to stay smart. Uh, <clears throat> that would be wonderful. Yes, it would be. And that's what we do, try to do anyway. Uh, I, I began looking in here and thinking about, geez, what's the future going to hold? What's going to happen to the future? And, and, and then I thought that all the, the stages of change that you've in, endured and, and um, went, have gone through is uh, re re remarkable, just remarkable. Um, would you like to elaborate some of that for me, please? Well, sure. I, I mean, first of all, in the beginning of the book, I talk about the um, changes, the, the societal and uh, business changes that were brought about by the industrial technologies during the industrial revolution and, and make the statement that what we're going through now is a digital revolution that's not much different from those. There are technologies that are driving it and providing opportunities, but what really happens is when consumers start adopting the new technologies and the ones that are better are always going to be quickly adopted. And so then business has to change to use those technologies, whether they're the industrial technologies of like electricity. So one example is in the 1800s, we had ice boxes, which were insulated boxes that we actually put ice in to keep food chilled. And then once you had electricity and refrigeration, now you had the refrigerator. Well, as quickly as possible consumers got rid of those ice boxes and purchased refrigerators and mm -hmm. the same is true with what we have now right we've got digital technologies that um, the digital revolution has been coming um, since the invention of the computer in the 1940s but for the longest time and through most of my career it was all just for business it wasn't until uh, first of all when the personal computer came out and got very popular in the 90s, and then really came into its own by the early 2000s, along with the mobile devices getting started, that we really had a major shift to the consumers driving the market. True, very true. And probably some of that uh, has evolved as a result of the COVID. Um, yes, COVID has jerked everybody rapidly into um, the digital economy, whether they wanted to or not. So, be because rapidly, 
everybody had to adjust to ordering things online, not going into stores and restaurants, uh, even doctor's offices. And, mm-hmm. um, and the businesses had to adapt to that. And it was more than just being able to pick up at the curb. So, for example, there's one restaurant chain that was very well known for how hot and fresh its french fries were when you ate inside. And once you had pickup, you know, order online and pickup, then they had to come up with a way to be able to keep the fries fresh or to make them just in time when the user was coming. And so what they ended up doing is enabling the customer to turn on their location on their phone and they would follow the location and not put the fries in until the customer was almost at the location to pick up their order. And so then they'd be fresh just like they were if they were at the table. Right. So, you know, it's, it's a greater adoption than just saying, well, we're going to have curb pickup service potentially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I uh, especially liked the um, section re- regarding the digital innovators and disruptors. I like that a lot. You want to elaborate a little bit on that, the disruptors? Sure. The disruptors were, which today are the tech giants, and they're very similar to like the railroad companies and the um, oil companies and the big banks in the industrial revolution. They are the companies that have come out and taken the raw technology and turned it into something that you could use. So the, so the disruptors I picked were um, Apple, Amazon, and Google. And Amazon, and, and the other thing I did in the book in the beginning was I did a comparison between Amazon and Sears. And the reason I was interested in that was that Sears and Amazon each started almost exactly 100 years apart with the same goal. Richard Sears' goal was to sell to the interior of the United States. And he started out just selling watches to the interior of the United States because it was very rural in the late 1800s. And Jeff Bezos on Amazon said, I want to sell on the internet. And he picked books. And so they each started with one thing. By the time they got done, they were selling everything. Sears sold houses, cars, everything through his catalog. And interestingly enough, Sears did not open a retail store until 1927, which was 30 years after he started the company. And Jeff Bezos has done the same thing, right? I mean, he stayed on the internet. He eventually is selling everything on the internet and and showed the way for everybody. And while he hasn't, quote, officially opened stores particularly, I mean, there are, I have noticed there are a few stores and a couple of the malls that are considered Amazon stores, but he also partnered with Kohl's and, and um, bought out um, the Whole Foods grocery chain. So he has retail in mind. But so I picked him because he changed retail. And and then I picked Google because Google first came out and had the search engine, which really made the Internet usable when you had a search engine. And Google also decided that they wanted to um, digitize all the information in the world. And I forget the exact number of servers they have around the world, but it's in the tens of thousands that houses data uh, so that you can search everything. And, and that's what we do. I mean, Google's become a verb, right? Oh, you need to know something, Google it. And, um, and then, of course, Apple, I picked the iPod with Apple because, yes, the iPhone was a big change, 
but the iPod really started disrupting, um, and the and then the follow-on iPad really started the disruption to a lot of industries uh, because of the ability to have the app. Well, the uh, your your choice have been is we can learn a lot from each of those how they did it, what the, how they're still doing it, and what we can expect from them in the future. Right. I, I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, yeah, I, I, I pause at the end of each discussion. What are the, what are the things that they thought differently? Because they weren't um, solving any particular new problems, right? I mean, we had retail. We could go buy and shop whatever we wanted. You didn't have to have the internet. So, what was Jeff Bezos thinking and how he changed the world that way. Same way with Google. You could go to the library and learn a whole lot of stuff, right? But it took a lot longer time. Now when you can just sit at your computer and Google it, it's a lot faster. Um, and then the same thing with the, with the mobile devices and with the iPod displacing the DVDs and, and CDs, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you, we, we carried, um, we had we had portable music since the first radio was put in the first automobile, uh, and we kept changing things. Right, you had the radio, and then you had cassette players, and then you had CD players, and then you had boom boxes, and everybody took their boom boxes everywhere. I worked in New York for a while in the '90s, and you couldn't get on a subway without you know everybody having a boom box on their shoulder, and <laughs> and so the iPod, the iPod, what it did is you know he just looked at it and said, well. I can digitize all this content and put it in this little bitty device here, and you can listen to your content wherever you are, in your car, at the beach, taking a walk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's amazing, amazing. You know, one of the other things that, uh, that caught my attention um, and has probably expanded all of this, I don't know how many different times, it's the it's the capital I and the and the little O and the little T. And it turns out to be that's the Internet of Things. Could you describe some of that? Explain some? Well, the Internet of Things, um, think primarily of Alexis as an as an example, but the Internet of Things is enabling all inanimate objects to have digital communication with an artificial intelligence device. So Alexa isn't uh, artificial intelligent device. And you're seeing now that your re new refrigerators coming out are connected to Alexa. Um, pretty soon, almost every appliance in your home will be connected to an Alexa or Alexa type device, right? Some sort of um, artificial intelligence. And, and then you can talk to that artificial intelligence device also, and it can talk to you. So if you have a problem with your refrigerator failing or um, whatever issue, it can talk to you about it. That's, this is the other thing that helps you have your um, more intelligent security devices, things like that. So uh, that's what the Internet of Things is. And then when you get into business, like um, I have a friend that did a project with a company that uh, builds pipeline, not builds pipeline, but, but, but manufactures the pipes for the pipelines. And interestingly enough, these pipelines, of course, depending on what they're going to be used for, have all different compounds. So if 
somebody's going to place an order for a pipe for pipe it has to be for what is the specific thing and pipelines aren't our pipes are for pipelines are not something that are kept in warehouses they're kept out in big fields and they mm-hmm. all have to have um uh, numbers on them so that you you can Tell when it was made, what the when the expiration date was, what its composition is, everything. We have serial numbers on them. So they had a big problem with the 18 wheelers coming in to pick up orders and all of that. And so uh, my friend's project was to put what we call IoT chips on each of the pipes that are out in the field. So they're calling out to the ERP system all the time. So when they want to find something they just go look for the serial number they want and see where the beam is coming from and they can go find the pipe and get the get the cranes up and ready when the 18-wheeler comes in. Then they also put up a, um, a scheduling uh, app for the 18-wheeler drivers to use for when they had their slots to pick up and then they would have a big monitor up at the field that they could see, and and so then you had order with the trucks coming in with what pipeline was going, with, with piece of pipe was going to get pulled on it because even an eighteen wheeler doesn't hold very many pieces of those kind of types of pipes. Mhm, mhm. So that's what we yeah. mean by Internet of Things is all these inanimate objects talking to some um, right. intelligent device. Was was were cell phones were they looked at as as one of the products of the. Uh, integrity, Internet of Things? Well, a little bit in the way the new ones are. I mean, I've had a cell phone since 1985, and they weren't very mm-hmm. smart. <laughs> no, they were a lot of trouble. I had one, too. <laughs> and, um, you know, and they were just installed in your car, and then I think by the late 90s, I had one that was installed in the car, but I could clip it out. It had a, it had a short life battery that I could, you know, carry it around. A little bit, but it wasn't until um, there was a couple that were getting to be smart devices where you could look at your email and stuff like that. But it wasn't really until Apple invented the iPhone that you had almost a computer-like real smartphone. Right. And um, and yes, those those do help. It's it's some of the same chips that are used in the IoT devices also. Mhm. Mhm. Tell us about the blockchain and cryptocurrency. Ah, uh, blockchain. Well, cryptocurrency is is like the beginning of blockchain. It's the, it was the first application for it. But to me, blockchain is so much more important than just for cryptocurrency. I mean, I, right. I do think that eventually um, we won't be carrying as much real currency around with us. I mean, we already don't because you don't have to have cryptocurrency. You just have to have your your smartphone, you know, and a credit card account. And you can pay with almost anything with Apple Pay, etc. But um, what I like about blockchain is there's so many things in our lives today that we have to be able to trace, and one of them is our food, right? So like. A few years ago, we had a spinach scare, and all of a sudden one day, and I happen to remember it because it was right before Thanksgiving, and I was trying to make a spinach salad for our family get-together, and there was no spinach anywhere in any store. <laughs> and um, and so, and I've worked a lot in these regulated industries in my career, and so when something like that happens, when somebody gets sick on spinach or, or anything else that you've purchased that's a food product, medicine the same way, they have to trace it all the way back to the origin. And 
so first of all, our su- supply chain is amazing and very long. So now spinach is a pretty direct supply chain, but if you eat a frozen food dinner, for example, I, I did some work for a frozen food company once. You do, if you get a frozen food dinner, there is a long supply chain for every entree on that, on that frozen food dinner. If you get sick eating it, it has to be traced back all the way for, to the animal that was butchered for the meat and what farm it was on, to the field that the green beans on it were grown in, uh, the fields that the spices in it were grown in, et cetera. And it takes a long, long time to do that today. And it takes months in a lot of cases to do that. With blockchain, we can now, once they get everybody on it, have all that history and it can be traced instantaneously as to where every um, ingredient in that food product or in a aspirin bottle or anything else can be traced to its origin. And so that's what I think is great about blockchain is the traceability that we have on everything that we have to trace today. Yeah. Well, I have to agree with you. Um, I'm looking at um, what what's going to come in the future. That's uh, I, my first thought would be healthcare in terms of it benefiting healthcare benefiting from. Um, yeah, healthcare is going to benefit from so much. Um, mm-hmm. First of all, blockchain number one because. Uh, the other thing about blockchain is it's very secure. So our health records can be on a blockchain, and then you don't have situations where doctors don't know everything about, um, you know, your situation. So right. if, if everything can be on a blockchain. But the other thing is there were a couple of instances in my book uh, that I was looking in terms of how other technologies, especially what we call 3D printing, is being used. Um, mm-hmm. You know, these days, uh, replacement organs, you know, people are a long waiting list waiting for replacement organs, and somebody else has to die in most cases for you to get a replacement organ. And um, they are now in the process of using 3D printing to create uh, replacement organs that function like the real organs. So one example I used in the book was a uh, doctor in in Israel, I believe, helped somebody here by by getting uh, having a 3D inner ear created, and he implanted it in the person's skull, or you know, or in the ear canal, and the man could immediately hear with this uh, 3D printed internal ear. Mm-hmm. So you, you know, I mean, that's infinitely better than like a cochlear ear implant or something like that. They also have miniature human hearts today that are functioning. They're not big enough to put in a real human. They're about the size of a small animal's heart. But they, have, they are perfecting um, how they create a human heart and make it work. I mean, it's just amazing technology. So I think um, certainly the medical field is going to reap great advancements, and healthcare right. is going to reap great advancements from technology. Right. I agree. I agree. And, you know, well, and, you know, good, good luck in, in you know, everybody's open for that. Yes. Um, yeah. Um, what about digital transformation mistakes? Well, COVID forced a lot of people into one, a lot of co- businesses into one of the mistakes, which is that you just cherry pick technology rather than 
really rethinking and reimagining your business. Um, one example I'll use of a, of a company uh, in St. Louis, and it was the St. Louis Business Journal that had the article, and they said how um, Emerson Electric was slowly becoming a secretly becoming a technology company. And uh, Emerson Electric, which has been around um, just like Sears since the 1800s, an energy company, in the last 20 years has been increasing their products that are technology-based. They they create a whole bunch of sensors that are in factories, et cetera. And it used to be that human beings had to go out and read those sensors and mark down what they were, et cetera, et cetera. Well, then they uh, made the sensors smart so that the sensors could then transmit to, again, an artificial intelligence application that would then feed into other systems to let you know what was going on with those devices that were out there. And today, even though Emerson Electric, is, I believe it's a $13 billion company, almost $3 billion of their revenue today comes from technology alone. And that's what you have to do. You, the mistake is if you just cherry pick and say, well, I'm going to put up a, a website and become a, you know, a, re, a internet company or I'm going to offer curbside service or, you know, any, anything where you're just what I call cherry picking it. Mm-hmm. You are not becoming a digital company. You have to really look at where you sit in the supply chain. Are you going to be disrupted or displaced or can you be disrupted or displaced? Mm-hmm. Can you disrupt somebody else? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to transform a company that was a marketing company for the automotive industry that sent out your little reminders of when you needed an oil change or uh, your 15,000 mile checkup or whatever. They made money and were known for the algorithms they had. But all that information is on your dashboard. And in 2013, a new technology called telematics was coming out that was going to transfer all that data on your dashboard to the manufacturers and dealers. So his company was rapidly losing value because they didn't see as much value in what he did anymore. I was brought in to figure out how to save it. And so I turned him into a marketing technology company where Mm -hmm. we created products and services, well, uh, products that, that dealers and manufacturers, they were intelligence products, where we gave them a lot of information. And then we also created a product where they could create their own marketing campaigns using our website and our information. And six months after I left, the owner sold the business at a significant profit. I did get that far in the book. How about that? Yes. And and so that's what I mean by you can't just cherry pick technologies. You've got to rethink and reimagine your business. And that's the biggest mistake. Of all the mistakes I list, that's the biggest mistake. You know what? We know people are more people are working at home, but mm-hmm. here's the big question mark. Okay, the big question mark is what are we going to do with all those big office buildings? Well, that is another good question. You're seeing a lot of, um, I'll call them for lack of a better word, communal or shared office space, where um, and they were first set up for like entrepreneurs like us that needed to have meeting places, et cetera. And mm-hmm. so I think some of it can be turned into that. I also showed an example where um, uh, Marriott, with Airbnb you know, disrupting the hotel industry, Marriott um, was getting into an Airbnb-like product, but for businesses. Because Marriott, a lot of times, most of the 
people that they rent to or that stay in their hotels are business people, right? And mm -hmm. so they're taking office buildings and turning them into suites that um, can be both rooms for the business people to stay in, but also have uh, like an office attachment to them so they can have meetings there too if they're in another city. Now, of course, COVID right. shut down. It probably hurt Marriott even in that because people weren't traveling as much. But um, that's another thing to do with some of the potential office, office space that's available is uh, once people start going, you know, traveling a little bit more like they were, then that type of, of office suite, kind of office Airbnb um, would be helpful mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and popular. Linda, would you describe for my for my listeners the um, number of ways to find your book and to get in touch with you, contact with you? Sure. The best way to find my book is on Amazon. Um, it's available in hardback, paperback, and Kindle versions on Amazon. Um, probably the easiest way to find it. If you search digital transformation, there's a whole lot of digital transformation books. You'll eventually find it, but um, you might one of the best ways to just search on my name, but my full name, Linda L Y N D A J Roth. And if you search on that in um, in Amazon, it brings up the book right away. Um, it's also available on um, the other book. <laughs> I want to say Noble, but that's not it. Um, Barnes and Noble. Barnes and Noble, yes, Barnes. It's also available on Barnes and Noble website, and. Mm -hmm. um, and then you can contact me either with my email, Linda, again, L-Y-N-D-A, at L-J-R-C-S.com, or my phone, 818-216-7264. Very good. Linda, I want to thank you again for, for being our guest today. Um, an enlightening part of the universe, I would say, and uh, you've captured most all of it, and you've got some ideas about the future. Well, thank uh, you, John, very much for having me. I appreciate sure. the opportunity, and um, I wrote the book to wake people up to the fact that you're you're going to be displaced or in trouble if you don't get with the digital the digital environment because. Right. It's just like the Industrial Revolution in the early 20th century. Right. And I'd like to also thank my listeners for tuning in again to Searching for Integrity. And my Becoming Famous sign-off is so long and happy trails to all. <laughs>